Hey, Charlie, this is episode 250 of TOEFOP, but um, yep. we haven't started yet. This is like a bit before the start because this is kind of a, like, it's kind of like an ad, but it's an ad for something that we're doing and we're not getting paid for. So it's an yeah. unpaid ad. What is it? It's a, it's a shout out. It's a... Yeah. It's a, prom- it's a, it's a promotion, endorsement, a uh, uh, vouching for... <laughs> Well, here's okay. I'll explain what it is, and then I guess you guys can make up your own mind of what it is. But it's very on yeah. brand for Tofop because essentially it's an endeavor we've got ourselves involved in where we get nothing out of it. But yeah. I would like to think, on a broader level, we do get something out of it, Charlie, because I don't know if you've been reading your modern day newspapers and magazines and periodicals, but it turns out the old planet not doing mm-hmm. as well as the old. Is the, I, it came as a surprise to me to learn that apparently there's some issues with the environment. You, uh, I was wondering that because I looked out my window last night and I saw polar bears tearing apart my bins. And I'm like, yeah. they're up pretty far north. Yeah, yeah, because the planet's fucked. Turns <laughs> out that uh, this whole time, while we've been hearing nothing but positive messages about the planet, it turns out the planet behind our back's gone and got fucked. And uh, I, I don't want a planet blame or planet shame because it's not the planet's <laughs> fault. It's our fault, Charlie, unfortunately. And so... Um, so here's the thing. I've been quite dispirited about the whole environment thing. And um, now there's this guy, uh, Damon Gamo. Do you know him? Yes, actor and filmmaker. Yeah, so he made um, that sugar film, which mm-hmm. I was mixed about, to be honest. Um, but uh, he's he's made this... Is this a good promo for him at the start? <laughs> when I, say I'm <laughs> I was going to say, no need that. to do a little drive-by there, Will. <laughs> it's not Just even a drive-by. On. He was on philosophy and I did not bring this up on philosophy, but I remember okay. I almost just had that guilt of like, I know I made fun of that um, song at the end of that sugar film. Remember it was like sugar. You can put it in your toughy sugar. It's the only thing in coffee. Do you remember that? No, I don't oh, remember. Man. <laughs> anyway, there was this, have you seen that sugar film? Yes. Like it's a good film, but there's this like, clip at the end, which I get the whole point of. Anyway, this is a conversation. What are for another you doing? <laughs> Sugar. We've been talking for four minutes and we still yeah. haven't mentioned the thing we're trying to promote. It's TOEFOP 250, man. Let's not rush. Let's, yeah. let's, let's TOEFOP our way into this promo. Okay. So, right. um, okay. Get comfortable. Anyway, Damon's made this amazing film. It's called 2040. It's, it's almost like a letter of hope to his child. So he's gone around and interviewed all the scientists and experts and people who can actually... We have the solutions to many of the problems we're going you know, through at the moment. And there are more positive ways of us looking at the future of this planet than the current conversation we're having. And that's what this film is all about. Yes. And so to promote this film and to raise uh, funds for the environment, an environmental project called uh, the Intrepid Foundation Initiative, I believe, um, we are joining the guys from the Weekly Planet, um, uh, James and Meso, live on stage to talk about disaster movies appropriately. Yeah. So uh, we we do a live podcast with those guys taught disaster movies and then they show 2040 so it's it's at a cinema um beautiful cinema too um great place for a live show rivoli cinemas in camberwell the uh, birthplace of barry humphreys (laughs) don't don't hold that against it (laughs) barry humphreys may or may not be appearing on the lineup (laughs) however we're going to do the live podcast show the film have a drink raise some money um, for the Intrepid, what are they? In the Intrepid Association? Intrepid Foundation. Intrepid Foundation. <laughs> the, Intre- the Intrepid Foundation. And look, if you can't get tickets to this show and you'd still like to help out, you can go to the intrepidfoundation.org. We're going to have links in the episode description. So you can go get your tickets there at Try Booking or you can go to just the Intrepid Foundation link if you'd like to donate some money because Intrepid are going to match dollar for dollar. Whatever is donated, they all match. Um, so if you're feeling generous... If you've still got money left over after supporting us on Patreon, just a little promo and within a promo there, Will. I call that promo inception. I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I felt a bit bad about going down to that sugar film pass with Damon's yeah. plug at the start. But the fact that you've wedged in, you know what? <laughs> or you can just give the money to us rather than the planet. <laughs> if, if you're indifferent about the future of the planet and you don't want to give to charity, why not just give to your other favourite charity? Go for it. <laughs> Watch the world burn. When's the planet going to do a fundraiser for TOEFOP? That's the question we ask. Uh, Yeah, so click on those links, come buy a ticket, laugh with us, cry with us, be amazed and inspired for what the future could be, um, or just give us some cash. Give us Mm. some cash. They're your two options. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, this was only meant to be about giving them one option, which yeah. was to support the charity come to the show. Oh, that's two. Well, that's one that's option two. in two parts. Yeah, but you've right. given them a third option, really, which is just <laughs> send the money to us. <laughs> All right. On with the show? <laughs> on with the show. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. Are you, are you out of Canada? No, yes. I'm in Los Angeles at the moment. I can tell. Um, you've already, you already look more like LA Charlie. Last because I've got my hat on, hat on backwards. You, you've become quite a chameleon. You go to a country and then suddenly you're like, if you went to Mexico, you would be wearing a sombrero three days later. Like you assimilate so what you're very saying quickly. When I travel, I become culturally insensitive. I just appropriate. <laughs> You are a very natural appropriator, I think. That's what it is. You get to a, a country and you just become part of it. I do. I mean, I'm looking at my video in my Skype screen now, the camera pointed back at me, and I do realise, because I'm wearing a baseball cap that I flipped around backwards, and I've got this blue tip. I look a bit like Poochie. I'm dressed like Poochie. That's what I look like. <laughs> you are dressed. You have culturally appropriated Poochie. That's exactly what you look like. And because you've got your headphones in, which is practical because we're on Skype and you need them to hear me and uh, for us to talk. But yeah. they add to the effect of this like cool <laughs> hip young guy with his hat backwards, can't even be bothered taking his headphones out in his poochy outfit, just swanning around LA. Well, the hilarious thing is you're 100% right because prior to <laughs> recording this podcast, I was just zipping down Venice Beach on a motorized scooter. <laughs> With my hair, with my hat on backwards, having just eaten at Erewhon Cafe, had just had a vegan uh, oatmeal and raisin cookie. <laughs> so, hey everyone, it's Hoochie Coochie Poochie. <laughs> Why am I Hoochie Coochie Poochie? Well, we all know what's happening down by the beach also. Those bloody... Oh, yeah, right. You know, yeah, those... playing, the, playing the bongos. <laughs> playing the bongos, smoking that medicinal marijuana. You know what did happen to me actually is um, I don't know if when I first came to LA, someone said, "Oh, you never go swimming in the water. Like you could, don't go in the ocean. It's gross. It's polluted. You know, if you've got open wounds, it's really bad for you." And it's one of those things that I just sort of never questioned. I was like, "Okay, that must be true." Mm. And then um, you know, our mate Brett, he was like, "What? What do you want to go for a swim?" And I was like, "Oh no, the water's like poisonous." And he's like, "No, it's not." <laughs> and it's like I swim like most mornings. Who told you that? Yeah. And I was like. And I don't know. I just I accepted the all the I time, just, and yeah. I'm beautiful. I, <laughs> yeah. My my face looks like it's untouched by like the environment. The one thing the planet's disintegrating around Brett's face, and, yeah. and you're like, oh no, the ocean, the ocean's poison. Don't go in there. It was one of those things where I just accepted. I think it was a taxi driver told it to me, and yeah. I just, well, and I was like, "Well, he must know," and always, I just accepted. Always that. the best to go to for medical advice. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. Oh, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> it was a taxi driver about 14 years ago. I just assumed he knew what he was talking about. So um, we went for a swim. It was great fun. The water was fine. It wasn't poisonous. My skin didn't fall off. But for some reason, I don't know why. Like I. Growing up as an Australian, you wear sunscreen in summer. Mm. Like you always head to toe. Slip, slop, slap, Will. Yeah. Between 11 and 3, slip under a tree. The best sunscreen of all is absolutely free. So slip, slop, slap, ta-da, in the sun this summer, say. Especially in the middle of the day. <laughs> slip, slop, slap. <laughs> I, you went deep on that. That's the second verse of that song. That's not... Yeah. 
you know, look, you've you've remembered. That's like remembering the second verse of the Australian national anthem. Well, it's just the thing. It's always great advice. I always think between eleven and three, slip under a tree. Although, if you want to be accurate, because it was the it was the seagull singing. Because it was it Sammy the seagull, and he had a he had like a, a I think it was a lisp or something. He'd say between eleven and three, s- s- slip under a tree. <laughs> Do you not remember that? I mean, probably can't can't get away with that these days. No, no. Bloody bloody political correctness gone mad, isn't it? Can't even have a seagull <laughs> giving out. That's the left eating themselves. They want us to be safe from the sun because of the environment, but they also don't want our stuttering seagull in the ad anymore. Well, you're killing yourself, left. <laughs> so in this instance, I just forgot to slip, slop, slap. And I also have this kind of belief that it's only in Australia that the sun burns because, you know, we've got a higher UV index. So I just yeah. didn't wear sunscreen and we went for a swim and we were, you know, booting around on these scooters. I got home. I was so fucking sunburnt. Like first time I've been sunburnt in about 10 years and it was horrible. It was agony. Yeah. Being sunburnt is not a good experience because the sun is burning your skin. <laughs> yes. And you know what your skin's not designed for? Being burnt. <laughs> well, the worst thing about it was um, Brett had organized us tickets uh to the comedy store sarah silverman did a show on saturday night with a bunch of comics probably people you know actually um and uh i was looking in the mirror and it's like my face is bright red and i'm like well i'm gonna have to dress head to toe because i can't show my arms because i look like a lobster and then i'm like oh well as long as the comedians won't see me i'm not going to attract too much attention because i look like a tomato uh and then brett's like yeah i got his front row tickets and i'm like you what and he's like, front row, I hate being up the back, I can never see him. Like, no, no, Brett, like, don't put us in the front row. I, I've been to two, I know, I have too many friends who are comedians, I know what the front row is. Front row is <laughs> padding for the show. <laughs> grist, or grist for the mill, grist I would put it mill. <laughs> It's like, this isn't going so well, I'm going to attack on someone who looks a bit odd in the front row. Look at the guy with a bright red tomato face. Yeah, you know how the Hilltop Hood celebrated the people in the front row? Comedians roast the people in the front row. <laughs> Sorry, guys, you signed up for this. So, I, on the drive out there, Brett gets a bit, you know, he gets a bit paranoid from time to time anyway. And then I said to him, you realise this is, this is danger. We have to get to the club early because if we're even a second late and there's a comedian on stage when we take our seats, we're fucked. Like, we might as well put targets on our backs. So we're driving as fast as we can through LA traffic on a Saturday night, just like not talking, just getting increasingly nervous about like, are we going to be late and is this comedian going to pick on us? We finally arrive at the comedy store about 15 minutes before showtime, which is seven o'clock. And there's still like a big line around the block. So we're like, cool, we're safe. Like we're here. They're going to let everyone in and we'll get to our seats. And so we stand in the row, but then it's taking fucking ages to kind of like get up. So it gets to be like, you know, 10 past seven by the time we actually get into the doors and we go up and get our tickets and it literally says like front row in big letters on this like card. And so I, I can hear I mean, someone on by stage. now it makes you feel like you're in some sort of prank show. Yes. Like Brett has signed up for some sort of like celebrity prank show and he's like, he's hosting it. And the whole trick was he doesn't tell you that he's hosting it. He's probably got some web series about to drop. And so basically today, he's like whispering into a camera in the other room like, this is brilliant. Charlie thinks you don't need to use sunscreen here. I'm going to put him in the poisoned water and then I'm going to let the sun burn him and then I'm going to take him to a comedy show. But here's the thing, Charlie doesn't know. I've got him tickets in the front row. I like your impression of Brett. <laughs> well, this is Brett, the prankster. He's doing right, this yeah. character, which is kind of like an Aussie prankster, like a Steve Irwin of pranks. Well, maybe the water wasn't okay. Maybe it wasn't sunburn. Maybe I just was like swimming yeah. through like sulfuric acid and it just burnt my skin. That's why I was so yeah. red. Exactly. It could be. So we finally get into uh, the, you know, the, the show area. What do you call it? The auditorium. What do you, what do you call it? The, the auditorium. Yes, what do yes. you call it? You enter the auditorium. <laughs> the <laughs> Please, audience. The venue. With, <laughs> Grab the your audience bunches sit. of flowers and ripen tomatoes and enter the auditorium. Now, can I ask you, just to pause it for a second, have you performed at the comedy store? Yes. Why... 
did they why didn't I, my assumption would be they would get everyone in and then they would start the show but they didn't they seemed to start the show as people were filing in is that usual i know that with when they do those big long shows there um they because they've got a schedule for the night everything runs the time so right okay the thing about american comedy more than anything and it's because it's out of that you know idea that somebody might be on at the comedy store at nine thirty-seven and and be on at the improv at you know 10 15 and those times need to work for everybody to be able to do what they're doing and schedule their night but also those american yeah, comics go in and out of rooms a lot more. Like in Australia, there was a bit of a culture of if you're on the show, you might come in and watch the whole show and like, you know, sort mm. of, yeah, you're there for the night. Whereas that's not necessarily the case. Often people are just dropping in for their spot and then off to whatever else they have to do. So they do a bit similar with the audience, which is the show starts when the show is scheduled to start, regardless of who's there. Because people come right. and go a bit as well, especially those big long ones they do at the store. Like sometimes yeah. I think they rotate audience, you know, some people come in and watch the first hour of the show or whatever. And then, you know, some other people come in later and some people leave and whatever. Well, that, it's kind that's of a bit of a role. What was happening when we went, I think yeah. our show, cause it was Sarah was headlining, but it was a group of like five comedians. And so they yeah. were from seven till like nine fifteen or something like that. And then yeah. we had to leave and then the new whole new audience came in. Yeah. So, we, uh, so for people who haven't been in the comedy store, so it's like a semicircle stage and you've got these little foot tables around the edge of the stage and then you've got little tables all around the place and booths halfway and I'm assuming standing room up the back near the bar. Yeah. So it was packed when we go in. And I see that there's three tables in the front row at the foot of the stage and I'm like, okay, cool. So this usher takes us up and the MC is talking, you know, as we're getting led up. And in my head, I'm just like, Blinkers on for a table. We just get in, sit down, like, you know, don't create any waves. Don't attract any attention. But the usher leads us up. And so there's a table on the left. And then the other side of the stage is two tables. So there's three options we could sit at. So we go up. The usher stops and looks at the table and then looks at the other tables. And, you know, meanwhile, the show is going on and stuff. And I'm standing there getting increasingly nervous. Like, why isn't this guy just... So I'm already gesturing to sit down in the closest table just to get us out of there. But the usher is still... I mean, and so then... He slowly walks us past the front row. So now we're walking around the tables at the foot of the stage, past the front row. Someone up the back's like, take him the long way, Ralph. Yeah, it was. It was exactly that. <laughs> take and slowly. Him the scenic route. Parade him around the room. <laughs> we got a live one here, Larry. Larry, we and got then, a live one. Take him the long way. Make so, sure everyone sees him. And Brett is six foot three. Yeah. So, you know, Gorgeous. pretty hard to miss. So the place so, untouched by human condition. <laughs> I had no idea you were so in love with Brett until his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and so we are walking past. And of course, the comedian, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, duck, uh, shooting fish in a barrel. She's like, hey, guys, come in late to my show. And then Brett was wearing one of those like soft, you know, cloth hats that Leonardo DiCaprio wears. And so she made fun of that. But I missed, like, she didn't, she didn't hit me. I think all her attention was taken by Bunge. So that was good. So then the guy walks us all the way to the other tables on the other side and then he looks at the two tables and still doesn't seat us. So now we've just done exactly the same thing on the other side of the stage. Then the guy asks us to follow him back through the crowd up towards the booths at halfway point. So this has been, I mean, it felt like it'd been 10 minutes, but it's probably been roughly like about a minute at this stage. Do you think the usher is making a decision that uh, the, the comedian on stage has missed taking a shot at you? He's been distracted by Brett's hat and he's yeah. not going to let you guys sit down until she rightfully has a crack at you as well. He takes us then to the halfway point. So then there's these leather booths that are all reserved halfway in the club. And so he takes us to them and then he says to us, uh, are you sure, you sure you're not in the booths? And we said, mate, like, look at the ticket. It's in big black letters. It says front row. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I said, well, you clearly don't because you've just walked us like past the front row now. To the th we're, can we just take our seats? And he's like, just sit, sit here. I'll sort it out. So he goes off and we sit down. And by now the audience is starting to turn their heads because it's been a minute of like whispering and like walking around and stuff. So we're sitting there and we're both kind of just like, you know, when you're just so embarrassed, like you, you, you can barely look around. We're, our, our asses have hit the seat for about five seconds before a waitress comes up and says, I'm sorry, you can't sit there. And we're like, lady, we know, we know we're meant to be in the front row. The usher wouldn't see us. He's brought us here. He's gone to the ticket booth to do fuck knows what we know. Okay. And it was getting to that point where like, 
we were getting so anxious, like our voices were starting to kind of rise because we're getting really pissed off and people are blaming us for it. I mean, I'm disappointed now this wasn't a prank show and this wasn't all being filmed <laughs> because this is a great prank that he has pulled on you. So finally the usher comes back and he's like, okay, follow me back down. And we're like, oh, fuck, not back down to the front row. Here we get up, take us back down to the front row. We go back in front of the crowd again and I am like, my red tomato face is now... <laughs> Fucking, I'm covered in sweat. I am so nervous. I'm just waiting to get a bullet. And we finally get shown to a seat. And as we're taking our seat, like I see the MC looking at us. And I'm like, we're dead. We're dead. You know, she's going to say something. Then she's going to hear our Australian accents. And it's going to be fucking Yahoo serious jokes. And like, we're going to be the punching bags for everyone for the entire show. And I was convinced that's what was going to happen until like God sent him from heaven I turn around and sitting down on the other side of the stage in the front row is a guy in a MAGA hat and a Donald Trump t-shirt. Oh, and the comedian's eye line went from us to whoom, straight to him. And it was just, we were saved. It was like, I mean, God bless Donald Trump. <laughs> that's so, well, that's, I mean, he truly is making America great again. At least for, for you, Charlie. For Australians. He's making America great again for Australians. Right, that's what he should have gone. It's like, that's what the uh, MAGA, make America great for Australians. Um, that, that explains why you're wearing a red cap backwards, Charlie. Well, you that's the other yourself, thing. You've got yourself a MAGA hat and you don't, you're was, embarrassed to wear it the right way around. This was the fucking hat I wore to the comedy show and it wasn't until I got in there and I was like, fuck, I'm wearing a red hat. Like, it looks like a redneck Hat, even if it doesn't say Margo, I look like one of those kind of guys. I look like Brad Pitt in California. <laughs> what What are you doing wearing a hat to a comedy show anyway? Why? Are you not meant to do that? No, take your hat off indoors. Even a baseball cap? Yeah, particularly a baseball cap. I, I'll, I will, if it's like a beret or something, I'll settle for it. But baseball cap, can't see your eyes. It's weird to wear in a dark room in like a nice place. Take your cap off inside. I had no idea about that. I thought it's LA. People can wear whatever they want. I didn't realize you're going to be so judgy. I think if you're at a show, just take your hat off. Like, just even at the cinema, take your hat off. Just take your hat off when you're in the dark. When you're in the dark, you can take your hat off. Does Molly Meldrum have to take his hat off? I mean, if you're hiding something, <laughs> fair enough. You know what I mean? Like, if you take your hat off and it's a shock to everybody, I get that. You're embarrassed, <laughs> about, being, like, embarrassed about being bald. You shouldn't be. Whatever, heaps of people. Does Hulk Hogan have to take his bandana off? So you're telling me that Hulk Hogan goes to the movies wearing his bandana? Fucking oath he does. He goes to formal events wearing his bandana. Yeah, but he's not popping down to the local cinema to watch like Toy Story 4 in his bandana, is he? Doesn't he? I he... guarantee. Mike Hal, can you see if you can find some paparazzi shots of Hulk Hogan? And I, I, I would say there's a high... 60% probability he's wearing a bandana when he's going to the shops or just scooting around town. So you don't think he just like so occasionally just whips it up into a man button or like, you know, yep. puts a, no, puts a ponytail no. in at the back and whacks on a hoodie. Where's a beanie? No, no, he wears, he wears like a wrap or a bandana kind of, in fact, I've noticed that about LA. It's probably got the highest number of bandana wearers <laughs> per capita. Don't you think? I've seen a lot of bandana. I mean, especially in Venice too. I've seen a lot of dudes, I mean, of Venice a, is of the a home certain of vintage. In the same way as if you're opening up an apple cider vinegar company, you'd do it in Byron Bay. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're opening up a bandana company, Venice Beach, around that area, that's where you would have bandana HQ. You, yeah, and I think... Bananas, smoothies and bandanas. You call it bandanas and bananas or bananas <laughs> in bandanas. Bandanas? Yeah, and you get Eric Banner involved in the business. Eric Banner's... <laughs> oh look here right. we go Mike House found a, a paparazzi shot of The Rock and he's got a bandana on it's Hulk Hogan it's like Hulk Hogan's yarmulke it's yeah. sort of like it's the it's a symbol of Hulkamania yeah it's a skull cap he's got a skull cap and he's wearing uh, his uh, sunglasses like halfway up the skull cap basically he looks like he's almost like he's just finished a swimming race and yeah. he's got like a, and he's just got out of the pool and he's put his goggles so when they get out of the pool they fold the, the swimming cap up a bit and they put the goggles up there that's kind of his his casual look. Yeah, that's his go-to. Um, so, Marga guy. So, uh, it was actually interesting to watch how each comedian dealed with Marga guy because everyone had to comment, you would assume, because this guy was in the front row. I was watching this dude quite closely and I think that 
he might have had a few things going on. Like, I don't think he was entirely cognizant of where he was and what was going on. Like, I don't think this... Because Brett was like, oh, he's wearing that hat for attention. That's clearly, you know, you're in LA, there's heaps of attention seekers. And he's come to a, like a liberal state comedy club knowing that if he sits in the front row with his MAGA cap... He's going to take down some snowflake cucks tonight. Well, he was very America good. He was, but he was very good-natured. I mean, yeah. he came, actually came and spoke to us when we first arrived, in, when we were waiting in the line. He came up and asked, is this the Sarah Silverman line? And we had a bit of a chat. I didn't actually even notice the MAGA hat at the time because I was like, I don't know, too busy worrying about my son, <laughs> my sunburn. <laughs> His hat was not nearly as red as my face. <laughs> um, but I, he was during the whole show, like, because all of the comedians went to him at some point and he was like good natured and laughing along and, um, you know, like no one really went to him. I think all the comedians also recognize as well that, I think they all sort of, you know, there's a couple of sort of leading questions just to sort of see what they were dealing with. And I think they all quickly assessed, this is not someone, you know, we're not going to do any, anything, per, anything personal on this guy. We can make fun of what they had. Yeah. I mean, the joke no, we're not, we're not we, we have not entered this auditorium for a battle of wits. Yes, exactly. I will not That's engage a- this auditorium in a battle of wits for this gentleman. My opponent is clearly not... Armed. But I wanted to ask your opinion because yes. uh, this thing happened during the middle of Sarah's set. And I think for most of the comedians, Sarah, I feel like they were trying a bunch of stuff, a lot of notes on stage and just sort of yeah. working through things. But at one stage, Marga Guy, who Sarah had been pretty like friendly with and you know she'd been thrown to him occasionally, but there was no issue. But he was getting, I was watching him, he was getting more physically agitated and then he just like spontaneously yelled out like, woo, or something like that. And right in the middle of like one of her jokes, and it really like gave her a genuine fright where she sort of like stumbled back because it was so unexpected and blah, blah, blah. So she sort of recovered and, you know, made some fun of it and then went on to her next bit. And she was setting up her next bit. And as she was like, you, you know, getting to the, the punchline, this massive security guard came down, stood in the front row to the MAGA guy and then started having a word to the MAGA guy, probably along the lines of, hey, mate, like, you know, keep it down, blah, 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 blah. And just completely fucking derailed Sarah's joke because then the guy lumbered all the way back and she sort of had to wait for him to leave and she was like, okay, I think we're leaving that. Now, if you're her, are you more upset at the guy spontaneously yelling woo or the guy who works at the club walking down and standing in the front row right when you're doing your your punchline? Well, firstly, you've already got like the... The staff who apparently think the most efficient way to get to stage is via a series of ever-increasing impossible tasks, <laughs> labyrinth style. <laughs> so, you must answer these riddles three. How are you? You're out for a comedy show tonight, uh, people? How are you at maze running? So I would say, I always say to the staff at a venue, because it's a question that gets asked, which is about, you know, if there's you know people who pipe up or whatever. And my attitude is always... Anything that happens, I'll try to handle from stage. But if it eventually gets to the point where that person is ruining the, peop- the the night for the people around them, then you have to do something about it. Because I normally like to just handle that stuff from on stage. And I'd rather not have the distraction of the person coming down and I'll just handle it myself. But there is a point with an audience member every now and again who just... Even when I'm not engaged with them, when the, they're make like you said, their physicality or the way that they're talking or moving around or shuffling or whatever it is, is starting to infect all mm. the people around them as well, then, yeah. then you have to do something about it because it's ruining everyone's night. Well, it was interesting because one comedian dealt with it in the, the most interesting way, I thought. And I was wondering if maybe he'd sort of seen the previous like four comics and had decided to take this approach because everyone went out and engaged and, you know, you know, sort of the obvious questions. And because the guy, the MAGA guy, his, his mate that he was sitting with was from El Salvador. So, you know, there's a you know, bunch of material you can go into there. So all of them approached it the same way. Oh, you're brave to be wearing that in LA and da 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 But then, what's this comedian's name? He's really good. Um, apparently, he was in that documentary comedian with Jerry Seinfeld. He's the, he was the young, the young guy, the up-and-coming guy in that. Orny Adams. Orny Adams, yeah. So Orny Adams comes out and clocks Marga Guy, but does not say anything. 
that we see him clock Marga Guy because there's been this tension in the room the whole night that Marga Guy's there. Like you're saying, he's agi- you know he's agitated, and then, so there's everyone's just a little bit aware of this guy, like what could happen next, especially after he yelled out during Sarah's show. So it is a thing that we're all conscious of. But um, fuck, I've forgotten his name again. Augie, <laughs> Artie, Army. <laughs> What's his name? Car- Carney. Um, Augie. This is Audrey. You know, this is what I love is you're going to I think tell a good story about Orny Adams, but this is classic Orny. Orny. I know because I know I I know Orny quite well. Um, right. And well, well, well enough. Certainly well enough to when I run into him have a you know conversation and, and a catch up sort of thing, and. I first saw Orny on Comedian, that documentary, where okay. he comes across... Have you seen it? Have you ever seen no. it? No. It's amazing. You would love it. It's about Jerry Seinfeld getting back into stand-up and they contrast it with a new comedian going to the Montreal Just for Laughs for the first time. And Orny is so the perfect casting. He's relentlessly ambitious. He's like He's incredibly talented, but he's one of those people who also is just operating on a sort of hyper level of wanting it to happen for him and... You know, like he's so into comedy and so into mm. crushing and killing and all these sort of things. And he came out to Australia and we had him on Glasshouse and because um, uh, Husey and I were such big fans of comedian. And he was great. But it's so hilarious. Like, I'll just I'll tell you this story because yeah. it says everything you need to know about uh, Audie. Is that he killed, he did a really good job on the show. But then, so him and Husey had an argument about Australia and America and it was hilarious. But on his website, he just put all the bits of him, like with his <laughs> comebacks, without Husey's things, and it yeah. was it didn't work as well. Like in taking the other element out, it, it had taken something away from what he had done. But yeah. I've ever since, like I've ever since I've kept in contact with him, and I run into him at festivals and stuff, and he is a he has become a, just a reliable, dominant, yeah, comedian. He's like one of those guys who I I can't imagine ever going particularly badly, Audie. Yeah, well, it was just he, because his whole choice was to not engage, but let us know that he was aware. So it was just really subtle things where when this guy would like grunt or squeak or make some noise, it would just be a pause and a quick look with the eyes. And that was enough to get a laugh. And then, you know, once he, once we were in on that gag that he knew, it was like this magic wand where at any time in the show, if he needed to like, you know, get the audience back or just a subtle look. Or a, like it was like a wink and a nod to the audience, saying like, "I know what's going on here." Like you know, it was it was so great. Like he handled it, he handled it really well. But you know who I thought was the standout, and I was really surprised by it was Tom Green. Did this uh, like ten minute bit? It felt to me like maybe because he said he'd come from Australia, maybe he'd come from Melbourne. I'm assuming like he'd done. Did he do the Melbourne Comedy Festival this year? Mm, he, he's been out in the last couple of years. He said he'd been in Australia and his show felt the most like a, a, like a written show. Like a lot of the other guys like um, Sarah and stuff, like I said, were going through notes. But his like had a narrative structure to it and it was very coherent and it seemed very well polished. But because I, I only know him as the Freddie Got Fingered guy or right. you know, Drew Barrymore's <laughs> husband for about five seconds or whatever. But he was really, really funny. Yeah, and he's nice. Well, I mean, I don't know him well, but I have hung out with him a couple of times, and uh, he's always come across as being a really genuinely nice, nice guy. Um, I saw a bit of his show when he was in Australia one time, maybe three or four years ago. I saw, okay, and I, I liked it. I thought it was, yeah, I thought he was a pretty solid comedian for but, sure. But was he always a comedian, or has he transitioned into that? No, I think was, he was always a comedian. He just I, got famous for doing yeah, other stuff as well, and right. for being like. There was that period of fascination we had for Lyle Lovitz and Tom Greens, which were unlikely guys who hooked up with really attractive Beautiful. Hollywood movie stars. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, you know, Billy Bob Thornton. There was like a there was a good run of like yeah. unlikely guys having really right. super hot, high profile wives or girlfriends. You're right. There was a period in which weirdos were just getting with hot chicks. What yeah. happened? Now that the, I guess the force has been balanced again. <laughs> now it's like hot people stick with hot people, weirdos stick with weirdos. We and tried it, guys. Meet. We had a crack, but we've decided it's better if we just keep the beautiful people with the beautiful people. So Sorry, Lyle Lovett. You were a blip. You were an outlier, not the new normal. Well, that, uh, that actually we, we, that references one of our most popular episodes because it's episode 250, Will. So um, 
No, it probably uh, it's probably good if we look back and and uh, and think about <laughs> what we've achieved in two fifty. <laughs> do you think so? How do you feel about a two hundred and fifty? Like, if a two hundred and fifty was a football game for a player, it's a bit of a nothing. I mean, it's an achievement, of course, but like two hundred was the achievement. Fifty's like, oh, you're still you're still going. Three hundred, you get plaudits again, right? Well, I would think so, and I've said this uh, previously, but. So this two fifty, if we if we end up keep doing like an episode a weekish, mm. two fifty lands us in the middle of our tenth year at three hundred, and that to yep. me feels like something to celebrate. So I feel yep. like we should do something around that, something around then. Um, yep. We have talked about the dream tofop, which is where we get Russell Crowe involved, and there was a break in that case this week, Charlie. Wasn't uh, there? But so uh, Russell Crowe came on. Uh, my ra- on the radio show that I do, my day job, and uh, he was on the show on Friday, and he was just phoning in from LA, and um, we had him on for half an hour, and so anyway, I'm out of the studio for a bit, and the other co-hosts are talking to Russell, and a story comes up, and then we come back on air, and he rolls into the conversation, and he talks about the fact that he'd been watching my stand-up special mm. on Stan, on the plane. And then uh, that he watched it all and, and, and that he enjoyed it and he talked about that. And then he talked about the fact that he watched all the other ones for five minutes and thought they were no good. And uh, <laughs> that he was 100% in our corner. And I, as I was listening to that, all I was thinking was, there is a chance we can get Russell Crowe for our 300th time. <laughs> I don't care about 250. I've got my eyes on 300, mate. I've got my eyes now. Russell Crowe for 300 is now my great white whale. I think it's uh, I think it's gettable. I mean, you know, as we've discussed many times in this show, there is a new side to Rusty. There's yeah. a new Sam Neill seems to be going through the same kind of Absolutely. like renaissance. Yes. Just like I mean, Sam Neill's gettable now. The Kates had him on their show. <laughs> um, Sam you Neill's know. gettable now. Yeah, don't you reckon? I do reckon. I absolutely agree with you. He's bantering with Charlie Pickering on fucking yeah, Twitter and like named his dog and his pig and stuff after like Australian comedians he's friends yes, with. Yes, absolutely. Sam Neill's gettable, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I've never been more interested in Sam Neill now that Sam Neill's so gettable. It's interesting when, uh, like, an actor they sort of get to a point where it's like they don't give a fuck, like. Um, you feel like that about like Harrison Ford. Brett, uh, I think Harrison Ford must live around Venice or in Santa Monica because Brett sees him quite a lot. And he says, you've never seen a grumpier old man. <laughs> like, like he just doesn't give a shit. Will not attempt a smile or, you know, or, or a hello or even make eye contact if he doesn't. Just likes to smoke his weed and grumble. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not saying that I have like a vision board. <laughs> Brett said he saw Harrison Ford drop some change he was going into a coffee shop and Harrison Ford was coming out and Callista opened the door for him and Harrison dropped some change (laughs) Brett said it took him about five minutes to pick it up again he's so old and brittle Harrison Ford just scrambling on the footpath for change he does not need But it's just like, why? Because I last time I spoke to, um, I did the Weekly Planet. They're like, oh yeah, they're doing a Indiana Jones five. Yeah, and I was like, why? Who? I mean, come on! Like, what is it going to be? It's like, actually a new Indiana Jones that finds the bones of Harrison Ford in a cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, coincidentally, this week I thought it's appropriate for our two fiftieth. I was just uh, floating into the tea room. That's the message board on Facebook uh, for listeners of TOEFOP where they get together and they converse with each other and post funny memes and and links to things uh, related to the show. And it just so happens that uh, one of our listeners, Michael, said, Hey dudes, I'm about to embark on a three to four hour road trip and want to download a couple of TOEFOP podcasts to listen with my girlfriend who's never heard any TOEFOP. What are your top two faves? So I thought that's appropriate at a 250. We can look at some of uh, what the teabaggers, the tea room teabaggers think are the best episodes of TOEFOP ever. You down for this? Yeah, I'm down for that. Okay, sure. As long as um, you weren't going to ask me what I thought the best one was, because I can't okay. remember any of them. Okay. <laughs> I like that one we did about raising baby Hitler. 
So uh, Alex was the first to respond, and he said that his girlfriend cried with laughter listening to Big Balloon Boy. Oh, yeah. Well, that is. And it's not even a long episode, Big Balloon Boy. It's, actually, it's almost like a mini episode, but it's just such a brilliantly... Uh, perfect it's, story. It's a perfect story. <laughs> <laughs> and it ends with my hat getting blown off by a giant balloon. <laughs> This very hat, this very poochy hat I'm wearing right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> this was the hat. Maybe we should put this on Patreon one day. I'll put, you can own the hat that was blown off Charlie's head in Big Balloon Boy. In Teabagger fa- favourite, Big Balloon Boy. That's actually, that would be a fantastic like level on Patreon, which is like, when there's like an iconic story, we identify a bit of clothing or something that was in the story. Like you can, like imagine if at the end of Tofop, like, you know, someone can get your old wheelie bin. Oh no, the, or the lock that I used to train the it lock. up. The lock, yes, they can get the lock. The actual lock that Charlie used in the bin trilogy. It's like the Hard Rock Cafe of Tofop. No, it's like Planet Hollywood. Planet Tofop. <laughs> we do a chain of restaurants that is filled with Tofop memorabilia. Planet Tofop. Just, and every table has a giant Lazy Susan on it. <laughs> All the food is served on Lazy Susan at Planet Tofop. Uh, <sighs> Ashley has uh, bent the rules a little bit. Her favourite Tofop episodes are Fofop episodes where uh, you get Gareth on. Oh, all right. Well, can't, can't help but take that as a backhander to you, Charlie. I uh, really was. Uh, Taryn says, Death of Superpod, which was, of course, um, our first attempt at doing a live Tofop with uh, Greg and Dave from Walking the Room, which was lost. The record- I mean... We never got to the bottom of it, did we? They, the comedy festival told us that the recording was lost, but we were mm. never given a reason why. Like yeah. to this day, it's in a sealed document. We can't open it until 2056. They, they didn't say it was like a, a failed memory card or anything, did they? They just said they lost it. I know, but isn't that implied more that failed memory card or whatever than or someone well, pulled it out of the machine when they shouldn't have pulled it out of the machine or whatever, as opposed to lost. I mean, I, I, I don't I, think that I somebody recall, had it in their pocket and it's like, I've just lost it. I don't know where it is. I recall having a conversation with uh, Dave Anthony because um, you remember Dave's reaction. He was fine, fine about it. He was it. fine, mate. He was absolutely fine with it. He had a, you know what he did? He laughed. He laughed. He laughed. He laughed said, "Oh well, I guess, I guess no one's perfect. These things yeah. happen." <laughs> he said, "This is one of those times where my sunny glasses half full disposition will carry me through in its usual style." Uh, no, he had a belief. His conspiracy went to the fact that they hadn't recorded at all in the first place, and that the broken memory card was just a cover. <laughs> And then he said, and by the way, the NBA is fixed. Yeah, <laughs> he loves that one. Um, oh, Taryn's other recommendation is Quantum Cop, which uh, with Justin Hamilton, that's where we came up with the idea for Quantum Cop, which uh, is the latest issue is now available in our Patreon, will patreon.com forward slash TOFOP. Uh, this is the comic uh, created by James Fosdyke and I. Uh, the idea comes from a conversation me, you and Justin Hamilton had about a fictional TV show. Essentially, it's just... Which, by the way... I yeah. had somebody ask me recently, they were like, oh, are you mad that you guys had that conversation and now Charlie and James <laughs> are doing this comic book together? And I was like, no, that's exactly the model of creativity I aspire to, which is I get to have conversations about ideas and then somebody goes off and makes those ideas into <laughs> things. I yeah. do not have the time to execute. I've got so many ideas and so little time to execute any of them. If I could just be a J.J. Abrams type, like that would be my ideal job. Is just like head creative at some things surrounded by good people who are actually good at doing things. And I just go into the office and drink coffee and go to meetings and spout <laughs> my ridiculous opinions and then leave other people to clean up my mess. That you sound like the most annoying head of a company <laughs> on the face of the planet. Uh, Michael says uh, it's best to start at episode one. No, 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 it's not. It's absolutely not. Uh, Gavin says, "Oh, he he brought up Fofop as well." <laughs> Gavin thinks that the first couple of Fofop episodes with Jen Kirkman are pretty awesome. They well, they are also pretty awesome. 
Well, maybe if you want to win over your girlfriend too, it might be a tofu might be a bit sausage heavy, you know, uh, at first. Are I will say, heavy? here's what I will say is fofop could be an easier sell as an as sort of an entry. Like if yeah. you think that if it's you think not they're as not, niche, if you think they're not the sort of person who will immediately jump into this world, and you need to kind of introduce them to the world bit by bit. I would suggest find a faux-fop episode with somebody that they like, you know, some some comedian they like, and listen to that, get a bit of the vibe for how that all works, and then through a Dave Anthony or a Gareth episode, transition over to one of the ones with those guys on, yeah, something we're doing, or maybe a Justin episode, transition it over, then suddenly, mm. you know, you, you bring, if they like Justin, they've heard him on faux-fop, you bring him in suddenly to the Quantum Cop episode where they're all there. <laughs> And then suddenly you don't notice Justin's not there anymore in a little bit. Josh, oh, sorry, cut that out, Michael. Josh, uh, he's got two recommendations. Uh, Dick Butkiss, which was episode 225, which was the uh, where we talked about Warren G's Regulate, where we broke that down and couldn't understand why Warren G was having this argument with himself until many listeners pointed out that it's actually Nate Dog and Warren G. Yeah. Two different people having a conversation. <laughs> Apologies to Nate. And his other recommendation is a monolithic epicure. Oh, I can never Mo- say this. Monolithic epicureanism. Yes, which is where you were visited by the ghost of the past, a theatre sports uh, fellow who had stolen your high school glory. Yes, and um, it was uh, the, that Aaron, was the name. That was Aaron the name Allen. Of- Aaron Allen. Aaron Allen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It was 55 episodes ago. Oh, man. Oh, well, good times, good times. Good 250. Uh, Roger said his favourite episode is uh, A Mission to India, number 63. I'm just looking that up because I have no idea what we talked about in that. I imagine it's about when you went on missionary work to India, surely. Yeah, but what did we talk about? So, Because we've had an intern come in and itemise each episode and break down the content of each episode to a time code. I'm just scrolling through this document. I think this could be interesting to see. What what was on our minds at episode okay, great. 63? Oh, so you've just got some descriptions of what we talked about that you can read from that episode? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How many words in total would Ooh, they hang be? on. Oh, this hang is on. interesting. What's going on? Wow, I've uncovered something here, Will. I didn't notice this the first time. Episode 63, he says he was unable to find on iTunes, Spotify, or Omni. Episode 63 has disappeared. Mike, how can you look into that, please? Hang on. Where is episode 63? What is going on? Where's Dave Anthony? <laughs> You'll have a conspiracy theory for us. It's the NBA. It's fucking gone. Why is it gone? I have no idea. What does that mean? So hang on. It's gone on every... It's, there is no episode 63. Oh, hang on. So Does that mean we've only 249 episodes? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a premature celebration then. Holy shit. <laughs> Where's episode 63 gone and how come it's taken us till 2019 to realise? Well, I mean, we don't really look back on this, I guess, but... And we don't... T- oh, my God. Yeah, but I've had I've had this Google spreadsheet for almost a year now. You think I would have noticed that an episode was missing? It goes from episode 64, TOFOB, and then to episode 65, the over-explaining Cyrano. No, 63's gone, though. It's the one before Tofob. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yes. Coon, Coon Klux Klan. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Ah. And this, is 60 missing as well? Uh, Michael said we've got two missing, so... Well, 60 looks like it's missing on my list as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've only... I've, oh, no. Uppity Monkey. Well, that's not, on, that's not on my iTunes. What a great episode to celebrate 250. (laughs) Us going back through our old ones and seeing what's on iTunes. Well, obviously, there's a few missing. Yeah. I can't see 49 on this list. Shit. Oh, man. I don't know how good my archiving was in the early days, too. (laughs) I mean, I've got hard drives. I'll have to check to see if I can find the originals, the masters. Oh. Oh, I mean, if we do... If if we can go through and we find the ones that are missing, then I guess what we can do is re-release the the old ones. Like <laughs> make people pay for it in Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that this was an incomplete set. There are missing episodes. So yeah, there are people who've started yeah. listening 
recently who actually who think that they've heard every episode who w- actually won't have heard every episode. Thirty six is missing as well. These will be valuable. These episodes. These are like the lost tapes, the lost BBC sessions. Well, from the feedback we've been getting on favourite episodes, they tend to be the ones where we either just went short and told one story or the recording was lost. So <laughs> this is very much on brand for us. Andrew chimes in. He's got a, a list of his favourite. Kathy Bates to the Future, which of course is uh, uh, the time-travelling Kathy Bates. I have to become her lover and she makes me a successful actor. Uh, Dick Buckis, which we've mentioned, murdered by a sex robot. I think that was a recent one, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Peak Dolph, which was uh, where I explained how I managed to meet your neighbour, your old neighbour, Dolph Lundgren. Hasn't he had a resurgence since we met him? Well, he met us. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everyone's talking about the Keanu Reeves, yeah, what is it? Keanu, Keanu Reeves? Ke- what, what? Can, can, I, can I son Keanu Sonnets? No, can I son? <laughs> Renaissance, Canaissance, 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 Oh God, how we lose this episode. <laughs> well, whatever it is, that yeah. needs a catchy fucking title for a start. But yeah. it's, yeah, it's the Dolph, the Dolphsons. Yeah. So what? Creed 2 and Aquaman he was Aquaman. in. Aquaman, yeah. Did you see, did you see Creed 2? Uh, I have not made it the whole way through, it, which I guess is... As, <laughs> I loved Creed. I loved I Creed. I got about halfway through Creed 2 and I stopped watching it and then I've never gone back to watch the end of it. I was so excited for Creed 2 because I And to put that Creed. in perspective, last night I downloaded and watched Notting Hill again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, was, it sucked. Everything that was good about Creed was, uh, completely had lost... It pains me to say it, um, but yeah, it was just so bad and the uh, cliched, like the, the the training montages. It felt like all the charm and originality of the first one had just turned plastic. Well, who was not involved? Who who who? Well, it's Ryan Coogler. He because right. he wrote and directed the original one, and then he's gone on to be you know a billion dollar Black Panther mm. director. And so they, I don't know who they got in. At one stage, Sylvester Stallone was going to direct it and I'm pretty sure he wrote the script and I think he can tell. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> Sly has, you know, he's got one gear pretty much. Yeah, which and is we've seen it. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, Bertie Blagari suggests Leroy. Do you remember that, what that's about? Uh, was he a, oh God. Your Tongan no. half-brother, Bertie Blagari, <laughs> comes to stay with you. In fact, Bertie Blagari got so, uh, grew such legs that I'm actually Facebook friends with someone called Berg- Bertie Blagari, who I assume oh, yes. is a TOEFOP listener. Yeah, Bertie Blagari came to life. I, yeah. I remember correspondence with Bertie Blagari, but I can't, <laughs> I can't, I couldn't actually remember how it came up in the first place. Uh, Shane likes the Bin trilogy. Another bloody FOFOP shout out: Baby Sniper, uh, which is one you did with Dave. And Justin rounds it out with the Bin Saga. So, 250 episodes. Found out that two are missing. <laughs> <laughs> two and or three. Everyone like, and everyone likes Fofop more. <laughs> everyone likes Fofop more, except when we're talking about bins. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up with a couple of uh, T-mails from okay, our great. Patreon. Uh, um, anyone who sent us a normal... Email, I'm sorry, I've been traveling and stuff. We need to prioritize these these Patreon letters first because they've been sitting in our inbox since April. Okay, here we go. Shit, we've got so many. <clears throat> Sam. That's good though. That's a good sign. Well done to everybody. Hey, Tofop. I'm a long-time listener, second-time corresponder, having already been an avid listener of Tofop, Two Guys, One Cup, and Philosophy. I've recently been catching up on the faux oh, fuck fuck's sake. I've been recently catching up on the faux fop back catalogue. Such great content. And the ones with Gareth are particularly fantastic. My God, that man is funny. Bloody, bloody, bloody bullshit, bullshit. <sighs> My fiance and I are very excited because we will hopefully be getting one or two dogs soon. 
I have recanted your dog, your stories of dog stew experimentation in order to find the best balance to avoid horrendous dog farts. And now that we realize we may be sharing the house with two little fart factories, we are very interested in learning more of your ways. Without wanting to expose any proprietary info, which will ultimately feed into, see what I did there, Blue Apron for Dogs, I was wondering if you could share your recipe or at least some high-level tips. Our household thanks you in advance. Well, that's another question, but I'll let you answer that one first. Okay. Well, I, there has been a bit of an update on the dog diet situation. Okay. Because it turns out at our local farmers markets that happen once a month down the road, uh, very good. That like a couple of really good things down there, and one mm. of them is these people who for nine years have been making a version of what I make at home, but it's raw. So they make a raw. So essentially, yeah, putting your dogs back on a more raw diet like they find in nature, and so basically in that is the similar ingredients to. It's like anything you'd see in what a healthy meal should be. So right. it's like chicken or beef and then it's like all the like green vegetables and like carrot and sweet potato and like if I ate those foods, I would be so much more healthy than what I am. But that's what I <laughs> make the dogs. So basically, I make a mix now of the raw stuff that I buy from them and the cooked stuff that they've been on previously because I'm just transitioning their diet and yeah, want it to be replicable. But it seems to work exactly the same. So I think it's the ingredients that are the trick. So fresh chicken or, or beef, but I just go chicken when I'm cooking it and I, and I poach it. I just quickly poach it like in water and um, so that it's like still juicy for the dogs, but not, you know, don't, I don't boil it hard and I don't fry it or anything like that. And then, um, then it's sweet potato, a little bit of potato, not too much potato because starch, you can make them fart more. And I use zucchini, mm. spinach, uh, carrot. Holy shit. And so I just like, you know, boil all those and then I put some zucchini in just at the end. Um, you know, so it's not cooked too hard through. And then um, in the meantime, while I've been doing that, what I do is I um, uh, chop up some parsley. This is the trick. So continental parsley. Get yourself a big bunch of continental parsley and then chop it up fine. Don't leave it in big bits so that they can not eat it, but chop it in fine. So at the end... When I drain the water out of the thing, I chuck in some spinach and that just kind of wilts over the top. And then I mash that all in together and then I add the chopped up um, parsley. And the chopped up parsley, I believe, is the thing that keeps their breath and their farts particularly neutralized. And, um, and then that's, and that anyone could eat that. It would be delicious. Well, funny you should say that because Sam says that uh, my fiance also said, I should try the no fart dog stew because apparently my farts stink too. But she's the one who said yes to marrying me. So who's got the real problem here? <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, guys. Love your work. Always, Sam. P.S. I was narrowly beaten for a sticker sheet in my last correspondence by a very worthy winner. In case this latest uh, correspondence gets me across the line, my address is beep. All right. Uh, maybe, Sam. Let's see how these other two uh, letters do. Don't mind we'll it, though. If I'm happy with that. Huh? Okay. Oh. Hey, Will and Charlie, here's some tough correspondence for you. I'm another doctor listener. Actually, before we get onto that, I just want to. There's another thing that someone did on the Tea Room page where they ran a poll to see who the percentage of listeners that we have that belong to different professions. So we can tell you in percentage wise exactly. Now, well, percentage wise of people who would go onto an online internet yeah, forum so, about this podcast. So hang on. I, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you how many. We've got... Uh, how many members we've got in the tea room? We've got... Uh, what does it say the number of people? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. We've got 15... Just over 1,500 members in our... <laughs> just over 15. Room. We've got 16 members. <laughs> uh, and so, who ran this poll? Sorry. Hang on. There we go. JD... Joe Danaher. Joe Danaher. JD created a okay. poll. JD. So the majority, the, we had how many respondents? Doesn't say. Quite a few. Over 100, I'd say. Uh, the number one profession is management. Mm -hmm. Number two profession is IT. That's almost neck and neck. So we get a lot of people in management, a lot of people in IT. Mm -hmm. Next down, it's probably two thirds of, the, of IT is teacher, mm -hmm. sales, and engineers and administration are all pretty much neck and neck underneath that. Life giver and domestic goddess is just under admin. 
Under that is construction. Under that is accountant. Under that is horticulturalist. Nurses, scientists and students. Doctors, and in brackets, PhD doctors. <laughs> Lawyers, truck drivers, civil engineers. Someone's just put in fuckhead and they've got two likes. <laughs> <laughs> Radiology administration. Pointer of things on mine sites. Swim teacher, social worker, radiographer, postie. Internal auditor, chippy, balloon artist. Staying away from that guy. <laughs> Bartender, publican, game development, aircraft mechanic, public policy, brewer, forester, pet care, doggy daycare, boarding, training, pet sitting, and a chocolatier, rounding it up. Any professions there that surprised you? I mean, chocolatier intrigues me, not just because it was the last thing you said, but because it, it feels a little Willy Wonka-like. Yeah. Like, the idea of being a chocolatier is quite uh, on brand, I think, for us. Well, I thought that was a good mix. That's what I liked. Yeah. I like that, that was, it felt like it was a broad church. Okay, so Stuart continues. I'm another doctor listener, and I live not too far from Will's family farm. So I'm frequently driving past Anderson Road while listening to Will, who most episodes tells a story about his grandfather building a road, his dad's still living there, listeners can fill in the rest, which is quite surreal. Also, the information above is enough to identify me, so apologies in advance to my patients who are also TOEFOP listeners. Oh, he's our first doctor being willing to out himself. My question for you is this. If you had a patient die on the table, would you tell anyone? It's asking for a friend. <laughs> to all these Stuart's patients out there, that's not true. I just made that up. Uh, <laughs> It'd be hard not to tell anyone. <laughs> like, Quick, throw them out the window. But, but also, I assume some other people brought them in, were aware that they were in there. Like, yeah, what are you you put, him in a wheel, you put him in a wheelchair, put some sunglasses on him, weekend at Bernie's style, just say he's having a little nap, take him home, let him sleep it off. And when he doesn't just, wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, geez, he oh, must, he must have, have had a heart attack in his sleep. <laughs> My question for you is this. Have you ever recorded a discussion about something that in hindsight you realized was, oh, fuck, we've read this out before. <laughs> we have. Have we? I've read this out before. Yeah, I'll re- it's worth reading again. Uh, have, you, have you ever read something that in hindsight you realize was too ridiculous even for Tofop and had to edit out? Having listened to episode one, I think I know the answer, but just curious to know if there's the depths to which you won't sink. Stuart. Are you um, sure that we've read this before? I think I would yeah. remember the Anderson's Road thing. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like we've read it before. Well, because he sent us two messages. One was in the 27th of March and then... Mm. The reason I got confused is uh, I read the top email instead of the, the one he sent recently. Because um, we, must, we must have read it out because the second message is, Morning, gents, after not receiving a sticker pack with this comment, I just wanted to... Oh, no, I'm saying not after a sticker pack with this comment. I just wanted to let you know that I was fortunate enough to receive a photography pass to Blues Fest and to be able to photograph Iggy, Iggy Pop, Amongst others, so if you want to see a very leathery man, take. In a case look anyone here. was like Azalea, you've got photos of Iggy Azalea. <laughs> yeah, no. Man, I was watching. Um, you know, on YouTube there are those weird ads you get, the pre-roll ads, and it's for fucking products and companies you've never heard of before. Iggy Azalea is promoting some like cooking app. <laughs> it is very odd. Okay, last to fop respondents. This is from Ash. Okay, uh, right. Okay, so Ash has already written to us. He's having a second crack, it sounds like. Uh, Hey, guys, I just wanted to email and and talk about a recent dream I had involving this podcast. The dream starts with me on a bus surrounded by two or three people. It's fairly normal, except I seem to be blasting Tofop out of my phone speakers as loud as it will go. For some reason, I deem this as as entirely normal and continue to blast out every... And sorry, and continue to blast out an episode that just seems to be you two reading out one of the Lord of the Rings books in a professional audio book-esque way. <laughs> Eventually, people on the bus begin to address me about it, but surprisingly, only to ask what the podcast this is so they can download it themselves. And everyone seems fairly positive about this intrusive noise throughout their bus journey. The rest of the dream was just a blur that I can't quite remember, but now I'm wondering if you've ever considered this as an aggressive marketing campaign just to get listeners to play your podcast on full volume on public transport in the hopes of getting the viewership up. Sounds like a real tofop idea. Cheers to the hours of great conversation and thanks for invading my dreams whilst I wait for new episodes. Now, is he suggesting 
what was in the dream is a good way of getting the message out about TOEFOP? Or is he suggesting an Inception-style program that we invest in where we start to make people have dreams about TOEFOP as a way of getting people listening to TOEFOP? No, I think his dream inspired a real-life publicity campaign in which we get people to randomly blast our bullshit out in public transport. That would go down real well, I reckon. I mean, like in maybe in a sort of an organised Banksy sort of way, if we were making some KLF-style statement like burning a million pounds sort of thing, like that this was some sort of protest against... Protest. Against something. We just have to attach it to something. <laughs> what do we believe in? What are we Not against? Nothing. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think we get more people to protest, so it has to be against something. Like when Donald right. Trump comes to Australia, for example, and you want to protest against Donald Trump, rather than just doing the old generic protest against Donald Trump, maybe everybody say anything style stands with an old school ghetto blaster <laughs> above their head. And just drowns him out with TOEFOP. Drowns him out with TOEFOP. We've got nonsense already in this country, mate. We don't need you over here for nonsense. Listen to this nonsense. We've already... Home, this is homegrown bullshit, mate. All right. So who are we going to give a sticker pack to? Does it go to Sam, uh, who wants the dog food recipe? Does it go to mm. Stuart, who um, took photos of Iggy Pop? Or does it go to Ash, who had the dream and gave us a, a publicity... Just so, just not to uh, influence your decision at all, Will, but Ashley uh, lives in London. <laughs> not, not saying anything about that. Uh, you know, we can afford it, sure. It only cost us three times as much to send it to him as it cost us to make. But uh, who was the who was the dog recipe guy? Uh, that was Sam. Yeah, he gets okay. it. I reckon Sam. He's 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 it's, he's had a second go after missing out the yeah. first time. Yeah, okay. All right, Sam, you have won a sticker back. Well, that is episode 250. Uh, as Will stated, we don't really care. We're fixated on 300. It's going to be 10 FOP next year, potentially with Russell Crowe. I mean, if we get Russell Crowe and Toe Fog together, that would be sweet. They could come on as surprise guests at the end, play us out. <laughs> well, just also, maybe if we uh, advertised it as Russell Crowe and Toe Fop and just saw how many people misread it and came along <laughs> thinking that it was going to be 30-odd photographs. I mean, I think we could do it in a way that's like, if it was like toe fog unplugged, you know what I mean? So we yeah. don't have to, cause, you know, we don't have to get the full kit and caboodle, but just rustle on a stool with the guitarist from the band doing acoustic covers of their hits like... Exactly. And... <laughs> that and one. who could forget... <laughs> so Rusty, if you're listening... I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.